This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with a return guest, but we're not quite sure how long it's been since he's he's been here. David Powell, who is the president and CEO of the Federal Business Council. David, welcome back, man. Good morning, Mark. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me back. All right. So FBC showed up on my radar before it was called FBC. The uh, It was originally called the Small Business Product Review Council, and it was the first place that, or the first company that offered those in-agency tabletops. And at the time, brilliantly innovative idea and very effective idea. Right. So uh, uh, kudos to, to John and Eileen for, for getting that cooking. Um, but um, bring us up to date. Federal Business Council, um, you, your role, what it is, the breadth and depth. Well, let's start back with where you uh, brought us uh, way back to the beginning. The tabletop format was really set up to connect the groups within an agency with the companies that could supply them and help them solve problems. When the company was originally started, it was built around helping small businesses exclusively access um, agencies and get some face time with potential buyers. Since then, the company has evolved. We still do that uh, type of activity. We do on-site, in-agency, tabletop trade shows that are still very effective. You mentioned innovative and effective. Uh, They're still very effective. I don't know if if they're innovative um, anymore, but I do think that they are highly effective um, in helping sellers reach buyers. And why? Because it's a relationship. It's a relationship market, market, exactly. And the, the, the... and the fact is that it's all about the handshake. You know, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. And that's what sellers really are looking for. Uh, federal agency people are looking for problem solvers. They want to uh, identify and link up with companies that can help them solve the, solve the agency problems that they're trying to solve, improve service to citizens, and really accomplish the uh, goals of their agency. So getting those two groups together is really the idea and getting them together face to face. And I know we've talked about this before. Why do people buy? Well, people buy things from people they know, they like, and they trust. Exactly. And the question is, can I trust as a vendor? Can I trust you? Do I know you? And do I like you? And where does that all start with the handshake? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, uh, as, as you know, because of, a variety of reasons. Uh, I I do a lot of training on social selling, but I always preface it by saying it's an adjunct activity to networking, uh, getting out there, picking the right events. So um, sure. it's always part so, of the mix. Yeah. So what what are the types of events do you guys do? Well, we do a lot of different. I guess when I say a lot, there are more. There's more than one type of event. Um, the tabletop in-agency event that we just discussed. Right. That's um, not the, the limit, though. Right. Um, government meetings. So mm-hmm. the government will 
um, engage with us to produce their meetings. And there are times when those involve industry and there are times when they don't involve industry. It's only agency personnel. Uh, There are specialty events where it could be in the agency, it could be outside of the agency, but there's usually a uh, an agenda and a theme, and there's a problem that is trying or that that needs to be solved by the event, um, either questions answered, resources identified, or a way forward uh, developed. And then there are conferences, the the, the full size gathering from across the country of everybody that does a specific thing, and then it always involves industry and government uh, because. Industry helps government solve problems. Government is looking for solutions and really new ways, and that's where innovation comes in, identifying new ways to solve either old problems or upcoming problems. Yeah. And that, that, so those are the different types of events that are out there. There are also seminars, attendee-only events, a lot of different uh, small-format networking events, things like that. But overall, those are the, the main types that, that we see out there. Yeah, and <clears throat> I remember – this, this does go back a ways, but when the first Eagle contract came out, you invited me to come to the conference. I think it was in Baltimore. We were both teenagers then, right? Yeah, yeah. We were, we were, we were nippers. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but the, you know, uh, it, it, it grew to the point where you took two hotels. Right. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was intriguing because, uh, I did not speak to a vendor that wasn't happy. Right. Well, and what makes a vendor happy, somebody that sells things to the government, is um, meeting people in the context of the event. So with that particular one or other other events like it, mm-hmm. there's usually a reason for having the event. There, There's an agenda that helps identify what is being discussed. And if you are a representative from uh, from industry, those are the – you're going to meet the people and talk to the people that probably have an interest in what you're bringing to the table if you can legitimately help solve a problem. So uh, I think that makes vendors happy, makes sellers happy. It actually makes the government uh, attendees and participants happy because they also need to identify resources for uh, accomplishing what they need to accomplish. So it's a very good win-win equation um, in the context of what you just described. Okay. So this this past um, we'll start on this now. I don't know how far we'll get. This past September in Wash Tech, I did an article, uh, the art and science of picking the right events. Um, and this this is this is something that you and I have discussed now uh, uh, since that first phone call way back when <laughs> <laughs> the fateful phone call. Um, but you know the the criteria for pick. I have experienced government people to this day calling me saying, you know, should I go to this event? I'm going, have you ever heard of the company that's putting it on? Pedigree. Yeah. Pedigree right. is is huge. And they're going, no, that's why I'm calling you. I'm going, well, you just answered your own question. Right. You know, if you don't know who they are, that's a big black flag. It doesn't mean the event's going to necessarily be bad. But it can mean that the you know what so you you look up the company and this is where LinkedIn comes in right mm-hmm. so you look up the company and you find that the uh, I, I gauge people often by how many connections we share in the market are you really embedded in this market right. when the owner of a company that purports to host these 
big DOD or government-wide events, and I share three connections. Eh, wrong answer. You're not in this market, dude. Um, <laughs> well, if you think back to the, how you started off this question uh, when we first met. So if you remember that, and, and then we'll go into people calling you. Uh, I remember our first call. I think it. you, you basically said, this is Amtower. We need to meet. Not we need to talk on the phone for the next 20 minutes or I need to send you an email or we need to become LinkedIn buddies or whatever. It's, it was probably prior to LinkedIn. <laughs> it was. It definitely was. But theoretically speaking, you know where I'm, where I'm, yeah. what I'm saying. You said we need to meet. And why is that? Because we, you felt that it, there were some things that you could bring to the table and we could also bring to the table if we got together and understood what each other were trying to accomplish we would be able to work together on some, some items. But we needed to meet in order to understand whether that could happen or not. At, face-to-face is where trust is built. It's where awareness is built. It's where like is built. So, yeah. you know, and, and you talk about the uh, people calling you for information about an event. You and I both know, and I think everybody in this marketplace knows, that you could go to an event every day, probably twice a day, and not exhaust <laughs> the supply of events that are out there in the marketplace. So you really need to know how to choose an event, whether the event is right for you, and what are the criteria. But the reason that they're calling you is because people trust your opinion and they trust the things that you're, you know, the insight that you have about the events that are out there and whether they're relevant because you know the person that's asking you and you somewhat know the event as well. So you bring those two together, you become the trusted resource for helping them make that decision. And that's really where, um, you know, sort of the, the whole um, sub-theme of this discussion is, is developing trust, building relationships, and then relying on those relationships as you go, th- go to uh, develop your business or your requirements as a federal uh, person down the road. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. David Powell of the Federal Business Council, FBCINC.com, and I shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Uh, I'm here today with David Powell of the Federal Business Council, and we're talking about, basically what we're talking about is event selection criteria. So um, pedigree of the producer was number important. one. Sure, important. Uh, what's the recent attendance history? Uh, do I know who is going to be attending the event? What really drives event importance and relevance is content. What is the agenda? Does it match what I need to learn? These are a couple of things. Is it is it a national event, a regional event, a local event? Is it close by or do I need to drive to uh, parts unknown in order to find it? Or parts known but you don't know the uh, – <laughs> right. it's the Heisenberg <laughs> principle. Can you get there on time? Huh? Sure. You know, other other things, what's the potential ROI? How does it fit? for my product or service or the thing that the problem that I need to solve. Um, are there people there that will be able to provide insight to me? Uh, is it something that I already know? Is it new or is it, is it a, uh, a repeat event? So there are a lot of different ways to evaluate an event. That, that repeat part, you know, if, if it's an annual event and we're going to talk about one of these the government procurement conference in a little while, uh, if it if it's an annual event, what what is the attendance history? Who's been there before as an exhibitor, as an attender? 
uh, as an as an agent. Right, and there should be a track record that's available. Yeah. You should be able to answer those questions, or right. the provider should be able to answer those questions. Uh, producer, that is, and when they do, take a look at it, and you can really make a an educated decision as to whether this is the right use of your time and resources. And for me, uh, what I've seen from our our participants is it's it's usually more about the time. You know, is it something that makes good use of my time and will I do what I need to do in the time that I'm devoting to this particular event? So um, is it compressed? Is it something that I can do quickly? Can I get in and out? Can I learn the information and then um, or is it going to be spread out throughout a couple of days or a week? And uh, those all are, are calculus or variables that go into the decision about whether an event is the right event or not. Right. So. But but as as you uh, uh, intimated in in the uh, for you intimated you said it you can spend your life out of the office every day every business day of the week and sometimes weekends as well um, you know you go to govevents.com and you plug in a city and you just hit you know search keep me busy yeah <laughs> is there a search that says keep me busy because I can, it, it, <laughs> I it's it's a never ending cycle so. So you know, I guess the point here for for those of you listening, develop your your criteria list for event attendance, and factor in that if this is an event where you want more exposure, you know all events are going to offer various forms of exhibits or sponsorships, um, and like it or not, a lot of events require one of those types of things to get your people on the podium. Right. Um, you know, it, that that's simply a fact of life. Um, so and, – and making sure you're far enough ahead of the curve right. to get there. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things about events, um, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the, in the terminology of events. But no one – or very few people, I should say, really want to an attend they're, – they're not going to an event just to be at an event. They're going there for a reason. They're going there to accomplish something. So getting in touch with what you're really actually trying to accomplish and then making that part of your criteria for whether that event should make sense or not. If you're on the industry side, you know, is it a is it a branding opportunity? Is it a an opportunity for you to meet the people that you would ordinarily have to um, call and set up appointments to meet? Or will they all be in one place? If you're uh, a, a government employee are the are the people there that you need to connect with or the information that you need to connect with or you know if if the content itself isn't right is the context of the event the right context and are you finding the people and resources that you need to find yeah and and on a personal level um again I'll reference uh Washington Technology from last September the article I I did there on a personal level for me uh Half of the events I go to every year are events where I'm speaking, so I'm going to go. Rightly uh, so, and and I'll and I'll be there on time or early. Uh, but but otherwise, I have three criteria that I apply when I'm going out. Number one is the networking going to be really good. Are the right people going to be there for me? And you've touched on that. Um, I also look for an education component. Uh, I've been doing this a long time, but I focus on the marketing. So if I'm going to learn about mergers and acquisitions, is it going to be a deep dive into one of the GWACs or IDIQs out there? Is it going to be an overview 
of of market conditions or you know where's the money going to be spent this coming year those are are things that that educate me and give me fodder uh for my clients and for my articles uh but but the other question for especially for you and me David because we live in central maryland we're in howard county uh what's the proximity most of the events for our marketer either in dc to a small extent but most in northern virginia right and for you and me there's an x factor there sure if there's a snafu on 95 or 29 uh we don't know when we're getting there <laughs> right so you know now i'll go back to your uh 20 speaking opportunities or speaking events uh, throughout the year. Why don't you just Skype in? Why don't you just do it remotely? And there's a, there's an answer for that. I know, but um, there's, there's a reason that you put in that uh, extra effort to get to the DC event or the Northern Virginia event. And you just plan accordingly. Right. um, If it's the right event. Right. If it's, but you know, there's an anecdote there too, about four years or so ago, uh, the association of the U S army had this four-star that was keynoting, and he had to do it via Skype. From his car on the Beltway. Uh, I, 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 it may have been other issues, but he couldn't make it live. Right. Um, but, you know, did that satisfy the attenders? No, of course not. You didn't get to stand in that two-hour line to have 10 seconds to shake his hand. Well, the other thing, too, is it's not necessarily only the content. There's the thing. There are all the things that happen in the white space of the event, or the gray space, the, the area, the 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 non-agenda time in the hallway by Meeting the people. by the uh, the coffee bin yeah. or the coffee pot. So you're meeting people. You're you're creating some electricity. And one of the things that I noticed in the article that you you're referencing is that at one point you said that the camaraderie that I see is palpable. Yes. And that's something that you really don't experience unless you're face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, belly-to-belly with another human being. That's where you create camaraderie, trust, affinity. And the reason that affinity gets created is because we're here together. We share an interest in this topic, and we're going to go through this together. And now there are some things that we can talk about that will bring us closer together, help me understand you. You can help – or you, I can help you understand me. And there's a two-way communication that occurs that really is vital to the government selling process right. or well, the government buying process. Well, one matter. of the first times I experienced that to a large degree was uh, – this is, God goes back to '09. I was invited to keynote soup conference and it was down in Austin. There you go. And um, I got there in the lobby. I'm in the lobby, right? I'm checking in. Marcus Fidelli comes up, you know, gives me the big hug, blah. <laughs> uh, glad you could make it, Mark. Um but in, in the lobby, all of the attenders, the government attenders and the industry attenders are doing the same thing. This is the night before the show kicks off. These right. people knew each other, and it was like old home week. It was really just cool. Right, and that's – when I think about the benefit of events and getting people together, and ultimately it's pulling people together around a topic that matters to the group so that they can discuss – identify where where their needs are and help find solutions and a way forward. The other thing is go back to what I started with. People buy from who they know, they like and they trust. And where does that happen? That doesn't happen long distance, it doesn't happen electronically. I think there's something very human about about events that helps solve that problem, bring people together and that's where solutions can happen. I yeah, agreed. Um so um so we 
so the the the, the uh, um, Criteria for selecting events, let's move on. Uh, in my first book, Government Marketing Best Practices, I told people the easiest way to map out your marketing budget is to ask three simple questions of of your target audience. What do you read? What do you attend? What do you belong to? And with the exception of what websites do you rely on, uh, that list is, is still extremely valid. Sure. Sure, um, and that gives you an idea of the human behind the the uh, the profile, right? Because then you can start to identify what their interests are, what someone might be interested in. Does it does it match up with something that you do or can do, or does the event match up with any of those? I think that's been a uh, a mainstay of a lot of people. Anybody that reads GMBP, Government Marketing Best Practices, that's that's probably one of the main takeaways. Um, so. Uh, what are you reading these days, Mark? Uh, I, I read uh, I read a lot of uh, market connection studies, uh, <laughs> some hinge marketing studies, uh, some some sci fi fantasy stuff. Um, Robert Cray novels, love Robert Cray. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, uh, and I and I'm working still on on at least two more books, maybe three now, because uh, maybe three, maybe hopefully three. three. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but, you know, the market connections things, every year in the federal media and marketing study that uh, market connections does, they talk about event attendance. And we all saw that dip back during the GSA PBS scandal. And, you know, the government can't put on events. Government can't do something in Vegas or sure. or supposedly Orlando. Um, I heard there was a memo I never got to see and never got it into my grubby little paws. Otherwise, the world would have known about it. But, um, but you know, the the events are here. Uh, they've been here forever. So, uh, twenty seventeen, fifty uh, percent um, of the people in government said they attended none. So, uh, yeah. But uh, then, then this basically the same number attended some. So one to three events, and then. Uh, 10 to 15% of the people attended uh, uh, three or more. Now, when, they, when they're when they talking about events here, they aren't talking about webinars. We're talking about live, get out there Human to human events. events. Sure. And, and I'm not sure that they would even count something that's in agency as an event that they attended because they didn't leave the agency. That's they didn't have to fill out that 129. <laughs> um, well, I will say that um, – the, I think some of the reasoning behind what you're the, – the stats that you're quoting and according to the research, attendance is up for events, which is uh, always great to see. And participation is great or is up for um, events, which is great. Uh, events address something inherently human. So there's an internal, I think, drive for people to get together. And when uh, the event marketplace was clamped down a couple of years ago – I, I believe that hurt government. It hurt the information exchange um, uh, opportunities and less innovation happened because less people were meeting. But now that attendance is up, I, it, it definitely uh, touches something that is a, a human drive to get together, to meet, to develop trust. And a lot of the issues that government uh, is asked to respond to, the problems that they're asked to solve, are sensitive in nature. And you really want to know who's on the other end of that 
buy-sell equation, and that's where the trust factor comes in. And you part of part of the process is to meet somebody eyeball to eyeball in order to understand who they are. Are they for real? Can they really help? Do they understand what we're looking to accomplish here? And can I trust them? So Bingo. you know, go back to that. That all happens face to face, and it needs to be. I believe that that's where events play a vital role in the marketing mix. Yeah. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. David and I shall return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Uh, I'm here today with David Powell of the Federal Business Council. Again, FBCINC.com. And we're talking about, uh, you know, virtually everything events. So um, from an exhibitor a sponsor point of view. There are a variety of things. We we touched on this in the last segment, but I want to take a deep dive here. Uh, there's there's a variety of things people can do. Uh, you know, sponsorship banners, uh, uh, hosting the luncheon, on and on. So give run run through your laundry list here and and give the uh, the potential benefits. Sure. Well, one of the things that you're talking about is. Within the context of an event, how do you rise above the noise and, and yes. really get your message across to the people that you want to know your message in the way that you want them to receive it? And within government events, obviously, there are um, restrictions on how far or what can be done or what, can, what tools can be used in order to amplify a message. But it can be done, and part of it is preparing the 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 company that's involved, preparing them and making sure that they have realistic objectives, that they understand whether their objectives are communications oriented or sales oriented. And those are very different, as as you know, very different objectives. Trying to do both of them at the same time is very, very difficult. If so, it's a transactional event, that's different. Right. Potentially that's a sales event where you're doing transactions and that sort of thing. If it's a if it's a handout and be visible um, type of an event that's maybe communications related and your goals should connect with that. But then making sure the team understands what that is. There are um, you know, things like the display that you have. I mean, go back to the basics. Is it an attention grabber? Is it a showstopper? Does it have things that move? If you have a product, if you have a small product, get a big version of it made. If you have a big product, make a small version of it, put it out, make it a way that or something that people can uh, connect with in a uh, sort of in a way that makes them stop and pay attention. And when they do, have your booth staff ready to ask the right questions, bring them in, not be checking their email behind a table, but uh, be out in front and engaging and um, booth, engaging. Booth training is a biggie. Booth training is huge. And uh, one of those things that some companies do extremely well and they have very, very uh, – real success in using events. So a lot of this is still the, the, the participant, just working with the participant, um, making sure that they've done their pre-show promotion, that they've set appointments for the, for the show itself. They're not relying on chance, um, getting through, you know, making the marketing materials match up with what the agency might need versus what you want to tell them about your company. Really going back to how, how problems can be solved. And so training the booth, uh, generating leads, and then importantly, te- teaching how to disengage. So it's not a half an hour sales conversation at a, at a on the, on an event floor or a trade show floor. 
It's a needs assessment, a meet, meet and greet, collect information, and then move on, disengage, set up your next step with that person if it's the right, uh, if it's the right person that you'd like to talk to, and then follow up with, with them. Believe it or not, Mark, the statistic is as high as 80% of event leads or event contacts that are made are not followed up on, which is kind of mind-boggling. If you're going to invest all the time and energy in an event, they're, they're, you should have why yeah <laughs> you should have a follow up yeah um, but in terms of some of the other things to amplify your message if if the common playing field is the booth or a table at an agency uh, sponsor the break sponsor the um, the speaking session and introduce the speaker or have sponsor a lunch have give a keynote speech through lunch um, have something that um, uh, really puts you out in front of the audience. Now there are there are very you know real restrictions on um, how that needs to be structured in order to make it work and um, you know, make it work with, and be worthwhile for everybody and 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 be compliant with government <clears throat> policy. So um, you know there are restrictions on how that can be done. But once that's put together the right way, it really makes a difference and it can offer a very nice opportunity for a company to share thought leadership as opposed to product information. Really talk about. You know, trends in a marketplace, uh, new technology, ways that uh, other other uh, organizations have addressed a similar problem, and that sort of thing. And some of the other things, you know, go back to um, your old off-white paper, the Battle of the Bags. Uh, sometimes people hand out or they they get bags created, and with their company name and logo on the side, so that attendees can put the other materials in that they collect from all right. the other vendors and. Yeah. I remember your old white paper talking about over the years, the bags started getting bigger and bigger, and the one that would win would be the one that was the biggest bag that could put the next biggest bag in it. Right, the one that would block the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a Zamboni-sized uh, trade show bag. Um, <clears throat> but these are all ways that companies have really tried to improve their visibility. The best thing ha- is always, can you solve the problem that the agency needs solved? And then are connecting with people that are connected to that problem and then working through them to establish the right uh, information gathering sessions, uh, uh, appointments, really understand what needs to happen, and then making sure that it's easy for them to buy from you. So all these things are things that happen behind the scenes. It's not standing on a trade show floor and saying, do you want to buy my stuff? Right. There are a lot of other things that go into it. Research, making sure that you understand how that agency buys what you sell. Do they already buy it? Is there a contract vehicle for it? And are you on it? Among other things. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of this stuff is, is you know, uh, a 5, 10, 15-minute conversation with whoever calls and says, is this event worthwhile? You know, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? Why, why are you even considering this? Uh, and if you're looking at this, what are you looking at? Are you looking at attending are you looking at exhibiting? Are you looking at sponsoring? Are you looking at all of the above? Right. And and you know when they say, well, you know, we we uh, we're going to spend this, and we'll have you know our CEO on the podium. And my first question is, can your CEO speak? Um, <laughs> well, we've seen that, and a lot of times the CEO <laughs> is probably the least comfortable person in the room in that position. As I, you know, I've seen rooms empty with the wrong speaker. You've so probably seen free, more. We those have to make me. sure that we yeah. have to make sure that we uh, are working with everyone ahead of time, and um, 
and we understand the the the, the total nature of what they're going to be talking about, how they're going to be talking about it, making sure that they're not up there doing the old sales pitch, and everybody uh, is familiar with that. But making sure that we have content that's important to the people that are in the seats, and if if you are whether you're a government uh, person, an industry person, an academic uh, person. When the call for speakers goes out and you answer that, if your content is germane to the conference, that's what's important. Are you able to solve the problem? Are you able to present information that's new, drive innovation, help the government solve the problems that need to be solved? That's where you get on stage. That's where um, uh, you can really amplify your your um, message if you can deliver the message from the podium. Yeah. And, and really get it across in a way that the audience is going to listen. Yeah. On YouTube, I see a lot of presentations from conferences, obviously shot from a phone, and you can barely hear the people talking. Um, and um, so question number one would be, when you're doing a, an event in conjunction with a government agency, how many hoops do you have to jump through to be able to video your guy on the stage? Are there hoops? Sure. There are always public relations restrictions or, or uh, green lights that need to be hit, and we need to make sure that we're in careful communication with, with the public affairs office. And the speaker will generally know, if they're a government speaker, what, what they need to do in terms of permission in order to speak publicly, it's, right. especially if they're speaking on behalf of an agency or agency policy. Uh, they know. Um, in terms of an industry speaker, there are usually, you know, there are less hoops that they jump through. Uh, but I agree with you that unless you have recorded the session the right way, if you have your audio visual uh, dialed in, you're going to be okay. It's going to, you can do a nice um, YouTube video of a presentation. Uh, if someone else is putting someone's presentation online, there are permissions that they need to have right. and uh, releases that need to be taken care of. And some agencies are going to be sensitive to that. Frankly, it's not going to be able to be recorded. Uh, one of the reasons that face-to-face -face events are so important, especially either in the intelligence community or in communities that are dealing with national security issues, is those aren't going to – you're not going to find those presentations online. No. It's, it's not going to be published. And the only way you're going to hear the information is if you're sitting in that audience live and hearing it from the speaker on the stage. Yeah, and those are, are uh, uh, sessions that are generally prefaced during the introduction by not for attribution. Right, and even if they're not, I think responsible uh, federal marketeers and sellers understand that there are restrictions to how information can be shared and who it can be shared with. I think it's very important to know who's on the other end of that yeah. sharing. Uh, especially when for some some agencies really want that message out there for everyone to consume, and that's fine. Yeah. But they'll let they they drive the the release of the information. We just facilitate the release. Right. But we've also seen repercussions for vendors that violate these, and you know, position on a prime vehicle may may disappear. Well, you've you've said for for many many years since our first meeting that uh, the. The marketplace is slow moving, but it has an extremely long memory. And people that will um, you know, that that violate the basics of trust in the government market, there's a long term uh, drag that comes from that. Yes, 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it, 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 it's a large market, but it's very inbred. So vetting people and their histories is, is not as difficult as many things. Right. And if you find somebody that's willing to you know, post something that they probably shouldn't post or don't have permission <laughs> to post, um, you know, it, that will be known. Yep. Yep. All right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'll be back to wrap up with David Powell right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I am here today with David Powell of the Federal Business Council, FBCINC.com. And um, David, um, what is it, year 30 coming up on what was once the Osdebu Conference and is now the Government Procurement Conference. Uh Name changed largely due to that GSA fiasco eight eight or so years back, but uh, but it's still there thirty years later. Uh, why does this conference? Uh, wh- wh- where do the legs come from? Well, first of all, thanks for for bringing it up. I'd love to talk about it. Um, this conference really is geared towards small businesses in the government marketplace. It solves a problem. So that's part of why it's existed for so long. The problem that it solved is there's really been it's been it's difficult for a small business to find all this information in one place and for the government to reach the number of small businesses that are interested in reaching out to government in one place. So um, it's, it's an interesting event in the way that it's structured. There are over 50 government agencies that have exhibits there so that if you are a seller, you can go and talk to the small business office of as many as you'd like to throughout the day, 50 if you can get to them. And, Bring five people. Right, and pick, up, and pick up their um, uh, procurement forecast, uh, make sure that they have a capabilities statement or document, make, find out how to engage with their agency. So from that point of view, it is, it is a priceless opportunity for both government personnel and for um, uh, industry, small businesses and primes that – are interested in working with small businesses or helping on that side. There's also a matchmaking component to this conference. And the matchmaking component, uh, there are about 1,500, believe it or not, 1,500 sessions held in one day alone uh, with small business contractors meeting up with either government representatives or primes to find out you know, how Hodge do I engage. Hodgdebus or SBLOs. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, as you register for this conference, you fill out a profile that tells you know, what do you do and how do you do it? Who do you want to do it with? And then there's a matchmaking process that puts you together with um, the right person to meet in 15-minute increments throughout the day uh, to find out how you can do exactly what you're talking about. Uh, so the event's focused on women-owned businesses, hub zone, veteran-owned, uh, service-disabled, minority, small businesses, and prime contractors, frankly. So the whole event itself has has been a popular item. It used to be held uh, at the Showplace Arena in Maryland um, at the, I call it the rodeo right. barn. But, Down um, in Bowie. Right. And it's, I loved, I loved Upper that Marlboro. facility, Upper Marlboro. Yeah. I, I think it's a, um, a great venue. It fits. Um, we were told that it might be a little bit far out for some people to reach. So we moved the event into uh, DC to the, or Washington DC into the convention center where it's been for about um, eight or nine years. Yeah. And um, so it's coming up on April 8th. Uh, the agenda is all about um, how do you connect with federal government uh, buyers? How do small business, how do small businesses uh, conduct themselves? Some training What's sessions. the best way? 
Right, and and the training sessions are conducted by government procurement officers, uh, small business officers, and people that are very interested in finding new resources on the small business side. Because uh, as we all know, the government has small business procurement requirements, guidelines, or requirements that uh, uh, mandate how much of a an agency spend needs to be done through small businesses, disadvantaged businesses, uh, or businesses of a various type. This event helps um, bring those together and helps the, the procurement officers on the small business side find new resources to, uh, to buy things from, for lack of a better term, but as long as they match the agency's requirements. And that's really what, what this is about, helping people find each other, buyers, sellers, and then um, putting them together in a way that they can learn each other's requirements and hopefully eventually do business. Now, there are also... I mentioned the 50 or so government agency booths. Right. There are several hundred uh, small businesses or large businesses that have booths at this as well. So government attends and walks the the uh, the show, the floor, um, and then attends the session. Industry attends and walks the floor. Uh, industry exhibits, government exhibits, and both participate in the matchmaking. So it's a very engaging event. It all takes place over one day. At the convention center, thousands of people participate. So it's 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 a good use of your time. If you have April eighth free, I highly recommend that you put that on your calendar. Register early to get the matchmaking appointment that you want, which would probably be right about now. Yeah, hint hint. Getting close. Yeah, right. and um, yeah, that's, the, earl- the earlier you register, the better your chances will be for getting in front of more of the people that you want to uh, to speak with. Right. And I think about, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago now, maybe 15 years ago, um, did government marketing best practices make an appearance there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were, we were, we were there selling books. You betcha. Um, um, first book, yeah, it was uh, 05. Right. 15 years ago now. Yeah. But to, to answer your original question, why does the event survive? Why is it still alive after 30 years? Um, I think it really in a low-key, low you know, low-intensity way, helps connect the buy side to the sell side of the small business marketplace. And we've had amazing um, government agency support for this uh, throughout the many years that we've been doing it. And uh, we consider all of the different agencies key partners and core partners in uh, making this happen. So it's, it's, it's a collaboration that makes it work, and that seems to have uh, brought together the right formula. There you go. Um, all right. So April 8th, Government Procurement Conference. You can find the information at the FBC website, fbcinc.com. Uh, just it, I believe it's scrolling on the homepage there. Probably. Yeah. Yes. Um, so last I looked, it was. Uh, but it'll be easy to find. Um, so 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 let's wrap up here. Let's, let's do a quick recap on – the criteria people need to to apply when they're you know spending their limited marketing dollars. Okay, limited marketing dollars, uh, which you know no matter how what size your company is, marketing dollars are always limited. Right. The the the, the scary the truth beast. about marketing is yeah. that only half of it works, but the the problem is you don't know which half. Right. right. So what we're trying to do is really produce a measurable ROI on 
on um, any investment that's made in marketing on the event side. And what are what are some of those things? Well, first of all, making sure that you understand what you're trying to accomplish going in. So what are the three things that you need to accomplish? And we work with people on answering the question, you know, what do you need to walk out of this event with in order to consider it a success? And the answer to that is usually then what we gear the rest of the approach to. So if it's I need to meet that key person or I'd like to um, find out about how this agency would use my products or could or how they buy what I sell, um, those are key objectives. They're tangible and we can actually work to achieve those. And you know when you leave the building whether you accomplished those or didn't accomplish those. And it's a very easy way to test your ROI. Now, if that's not the uh, objective, there are other objectives that are very common and valid, you know, handing out you know, materials, making sure that people know your name, uh, putting a, you know, a stake in the ground and increasing your footprint with a specific customer. Um, so all of these things can happen, but really uh, making sure you know those going in and then asking the question afterwards, did I accomplish that? And when that, when we get the information or get the answers to that, then we can decide, okay, how do we need to adjust the approach? And this is something that isn't a one time a year program. If events are part of your strategy, the ROI comes from repetition. It comes from creating longevity and creating uh, a memorable experience throughout your, your, you know, multiple events over a period of time. Right. So, um, we, we we didn't touch on this before, but it's not necessarily the size, how many people are going to attend. It's the quality of the attender. And if it's a repeat event and you're in a niche area and cyber, um, you know, emerging area, AI, blockchain, whatever, uh, or, or something seemingly as mundane as, uh, uh, you know, uh, building maintenance, you know, uh, uh, Everything. Everyone buys everything, everything that is sold. Yeah. Right? But if it's a smaller event. there's somebody event, that sells it. Yeah. If it's a smaller event and it's a recurrent event, the more you're there, the more you'll be known. Go back to my, you know, my soup reference earlier. You know, it, I mean, that was that was just fun to be at. Right. And that's yeah. a dynamic, growing organization. They're solving problems for their customer or many, many customers at this point, And it's in its umpteenth iteration um, and when when we were first when I was first working together with that uh, organization, they had a very limited number of primes. I think it were twenty five right. or so. And as the as the the program has grown, there are hundreds and hundreds of primes. Um, however, they're solving real problems, and they're doing it because they got out there, they got to know their customer. The customer they educated the customer on how to buy from them or through them. They said these are companies that we've worked to vet already. And then they introduced them to create relationships on the ground at agencies around the country. That establishes trust. So when you talk about the trusted resource, it's usually the one that people name first when you say, okay, who do you buy from or who would you like to buy from? That's usually the trusted um, source. They worked hard to get positioned in that spot around the country in the agencies that um, they were interested in doing business with. Yep. David, always a pleasure, man. Mark, I sincerely appreciate it. Honored to be here, and uh, let's not let it be no, so no. long before we get together again. No, we'll, we'll we'll do this again in the relative near term. So, thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, this is not my day job. I do advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government, 
in recent years that has uh, largely narrowed down to what is now referred to as social selling, leveraging LinkedIn as a marketing platform, a content distribution platform, and a platform where you can highlight your company and your subject matter experts. If you need help in that arena, uh, we need to talk. So drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.